0: All right, let me start prayer. God, yeah, we are thankful for our lives. We're thankful for the rain. Um, we're thankful for all things because we know that all of this comes from your hand. And today, as we wrap up the this uh, Sunday School series, I pray that you would continue to press into us the truth of who you are. I pray that this wouldn't just be information to be held on to, but, um, but, but the truth of the universe, that you are God, that you are a good God, that you are a strong God, that you are enough for us always, God. And uh, so we pray that the reading of the scripture today, that the communication that I share, that the listening, that this would all be worship because you are worth it. So we pray this. We give the next 40 minutes to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So thank you guys for coming in the rain. The this is the final lesson of our incommunicable attributes of God series. So um what are the incommunicable attributes of God? What does it mean that these attributes are incommunicable?
1: We,
0: we can't have them. Yeah, we can't have them. We don't these are our Attributes that we don't share with God. So there are some attributes like holiness. God says, be holy as I'm holy. That's not an incommunicable attribute. God says, be good or kind. Um, These are attributes that we can have. But then the root word again is uh, commune. So if you you live on a commune, if you live in community, there is something that's shared, right? So when we say that these are incommunicable... These are attributes that are not shared between us and God. So we talked about how God is incomprehensible, how God is um, self-existent, self-sufficient, how God is... Uh, I think there there have been ten, 10 of these, nine of these lessons. Um, so let me kind of start off our quick review of uh, this series, which is that God is completely other than us. He is not just he's not a better version of us he's not like the best possible version that we can think of of a human being god is completely other everything that god is is uh if god did not reveal that to us we would not be able to even comprehend god one of the lessons that michael taught was the incomprehensibility of god we we just can't even wrap our heads around it so uh, today we're going to talk about the power of god the the all powerful the almightiness of god and to start off i'm going to read this passage from job 26 and this is going to kick us off but as we read it i want you to think about what comes to mind about god what what is god how powerful is god as we read through this description that job has of god so from job 26 How have you helped him who has no power? How you, I'm sorry, let me start over again. How you have helped him who has no power. How you have saved the arm that has no strength. So immediately we get this image of strength and power or the lack of strength and power for those who are not God. How you have counseled him who has no wisdom and plentifully declared sound knowledge. With whose help have you uttered words and whose breath has come out from you? The dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Sheol is naked before God and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. So think of this image of God just like the, the earth is like a small Christmas ornament just hung out in space. This is the image that Job is giving us. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it His cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. There's this image of light and darkness and God ha- has His arm over it. He's able to somehow cover over it. There, in the, the previous verse talks about covering the face of the moon. It's talking about these celestial beings and God can just easily spread his hand out over them and they're completely covered in darkness the pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke if you guys have ever studied astrology uh, and astrology astronomy uh, you know how huge the universe is what we know now is 13.1 billion light years across and Every scientist will say that either the universe is expanding or it's way bigger than we can even imagine. The the instruments that we have to measure, the universe, they cannot come close to fully capturing how big the universe is. And here it says that everything that, in in a metaphorical sense, everything that holds up the universe, they're trembling in the presence of God. They're astounded at his rebuke. By his power he stilled the sea, by his understanding he shattered Rahab, by his wind the heavens were made fair, his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power who can understand. In other versions of the Bible, other, uh, like NIV, uh, verse 14 says, Behold, these are but the fringes of his ways. Imagine that God is wearing a garment, and there's there's the, the, there's just like the fringe of his of his what he's wearing. This is all we understand of God. we know that God made the universe we mo- we know that God has made the world we know that he's made these uh, he's created everything on a on a atomic and cellular cellular level. God did that without any struggle in his parts and Job says. This is what you know of God, but this is just the fringe of who God is. We hear a small whisper, it says in verse 14, of who God is. This is how big and huge God is. And the best thing that we can do is to understand our smallness in relation to God. And if we understand that, then everything, it, 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 our center of gravity, our everything that we revolve our life around, That completely changes if we understand that not only is God a good God, but He is a powerful, huge, gigantic God that we cannot even fathom. So we could spend just the rest of the class sitting in silence and meditating on that. And we might scratch the tiniest surface of that. But we're going to press on. We are going to explore the strength of God. So... The potence, the omnipotence of God, I have it defined here, omni, all, potence from the Latin word meaning powerful or mighty. So when we say that God is omnipotent, we, we're saying that he is almighty, he's all-powerful. Every bit of strength belongs to God. Uh, I'm going to have, uh, can I have you two, uh, the recently married couple, can I have you read Genesis 18 um, and Jeremiah 32? other word while <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're holding hands uh,
1: if
0: anything too difficult is anything too difficult for the lord
1: you have made the heavens of the earth by your great power
0: <laughs> by your outstretched arm nothing is too difficult for you all right what is too difficult for you this is what does this look like in real life we can talk about the power of god in a theoretical sense but what it really comes down to is In our own life, do we experience the power of God? When when these writers were writing about things being nothing being too difficult for God, what were they really thinking of? Was it just a theoretical thing? And I hope that the answer for us is no. So we're going to continue to study about the the power of God. Um, Jesus says in Matthew nineteen says, "With God, all things are possible," and this should be a hopeful thing for us. So. Um, actually, this is a pretty simple lesson. Um, but I'm, we're get, just going to read passages about how God is powerful, how he carries out his will, and um, what God can't do, and then talk about how that relates to us directly. So um, can I have this table right here? Uh, Tracy, Jordan, Maggie, and Warren, can I have you read uh, each one verse? Can I have a guess going a a clockwise, starting with Tracy? Whatever the Lord All right. This talks about the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. And when we talk about the sovereignty of God, we're saying that God is everything that he wants to do, he is going to carry out. So it's not for us. We think, you know, there are so many things that I wish I could do with my life. Um, But about 99 percent of those things don't happen because we don't have the resources. We don't have the time. We don't have the energy. We don't have the writes relational connections to make those things happen but God says anything that I want to happen is going to happen this is the sovereignty of God and the power of God uh, Jordan can I have you read Isaiah please for the Lord of hosts has well, and who can frustrate it and as for his stretched out hand who can turn it back alright along the same lines there is nothing that man can do to stop God from doing whatever God wants to do and uh this can go into different areas you could talk about well you know doesn't god want everyone to be saved and you could say well we can resist god's will um no uh we could argue about that but isaiah says whatever god has planned man isn't going to be able to stop that uh maggie can i have you read isaiah 46
1: times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established
0: and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Alright, thanks. And an uh, echo of what we read earlier and Warren can I have you read Job 42 please? Sure.
1: Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things no plan of yours can be thwarted.
0: Alright, thanks. And can I have you read uh, Daniel 4.35 as well?
1: The inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, "What have You done?"
0: All right, thank you. So again, these are all saying the same thing, which is, whatever God wants to do, He's going to do. And let's talk about the the the, the textures of God's work. So first off, um, this isn't in your notes, but first off, we have. Uh, a few things. So first, number one, there's nothing that God does that there's there's not one thing that's more difficult than another thing. So for example, for God to um, install a new government for a country, that's no more difficult it is for Him than it is. That's no more difficult for God than it is for Him to make a a sparrow uh, fly in a certain direction or what uh, or a certain person's actions. God is in control of all these things, and there's not. Even when he created the the universe, it was no more difficult for him than it was for him to this morning say tell the sun to rise, or I guess uh, in our case, for the clouds to cover the Bay Area. This was all equally um, easy for God. So this is when we think of um, when we think of people doing stuff or powerful things. Like uh, what comes to mind is. Um, that Bruce Lee movie, is it the Enter the Dragon where he goes into that building and uh, he fights all these people. So there are the, the henchmen and then there is – and then uh, and he fights these like more powerful fighters and then he fights – is it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or is it uh, Bruce or Chuck Norris that he fights? That's uh, Game of Death. Is it Game of Death where he's just like – Bruce Lee is like it's this long fighting basically, and it gets progressively more difficult. And he he in the end he wins, but then you know at the end he's sweating, he's been beat up. For God, it's, there's not a progression of of easy to difficult. It's all to God easy for him. So that's that's one of the the uh, the detail one of the uh, details of God's power. So let me talk about how God's power is how we see it here on on Earth. So. There are two two ways in which God accomplishes what he wants to do. So the first is by appointed means. And I'm sorry this isn't on your sheet, but I'll just write it up here. Appointed means. God knows who is going to be president in 2017. Um, when we elect people, or when we... Elect the president in a couple of weeks, um, it's either going to be the Republican or the Democrats, and God has God knows who that person is, and he has planned for it to be that way. and the way that he makes that happen is through the actions of us. This is an appointed means, so he chose the, the democratic process, he chose for the Americans to have a voice, and in all the for however long this election cycle has been, God has said. This is the way that I'm going to carry out my will for the United States is by appointed means. So we might call this uh, the uniform and ordered operation. We might call it uh, uh, his, his, uh, his utilizing the laws of nature. So gravity is a law of nature. God uses gravity to achieve his will God uses the law of physics to achieve if uh, if the warriors are to win the championship this year it's going to be through the means of physics uh, and of these guys working hard to practice and whatever else goes into a uh, championship team they are all going to use the appointed means so this is the primary way in which we see God working in the world this, another way is by we call it Divine fiat. Can anyone guess what that means? Yeah, Yeah. by his. Did you say order? Um, Divine order. So divine order. So there are ways in which God's will is carried out naturally. There are also supernatural ways in which God carries out His will. So, for example, in Exodus, how did the how did the Israelites escape the Egyptians? Through the parting of the Red Sea, is that something that happens normally? It's not. And all the plagues, uh, the ten plagues, these were all things that God supernaturally uh, made happen. So this is by divine fiat. Um, he uses miracles to achieve his purposes. Uh, so God is the primary mover, and then he the secondary causes are either natural or supernatural. So. Mm -hmm. This is how God's power works. Um, Before I go on, any questions or comments?
1: Are not divine fiats also using nature, though? Like, the Red Sea is, like, water.
0: Yeah, um, but there are uh, structured and ordered ordered ways in which the physical world operates, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, It adheres to certain rules, and um, for in the case of the Red Sea, it did not adhere to the normal rules. We think of um, God's power often in terms of the second, the second way—divine fiat or miracles. We think, well, if um, like if, if God really were there, then let him prove himself, right? Uh, why, why doesn't he write his? Right, why, why doesn't he write? In the sky, I exist with the stars, and we think it surely can't be that difficult if God really is God for that to happen. But God has already written in the stars His existence. It's just how we how we read it. It's how we interpret it. God is always because we get so used to God's power, we take for granted the fact that you know light exists or that we aren't floating off into space right now. Um, God is so good to us in His power. He is ordering the entire world, and we just get bored with it. We just think, eh, you know, that's just how it is. Well, who made it to be that way? It's God and his power. And we're so um, ignorant of who ordered things to be the way they are. We're so blind to really who, um, who defines reality. Um, even if you've been a believer for a long time, we still take things for granted, right? But God's power is always active; it's always active, and um, I'm going to tell a little story about that later. But that's how it is. So,
1: that's the way. I have a question that you can answer now or a little later, sure. depending where it fits. But um, you know, we as Christians accept the fact that. Um, There's no doubt about it. You know, even uh, pagan gods, the pagans worship gods. uh, Supposedly, they also probably thought, you know, their god was omnipotent. Now, I just want to carry that a little further. If that is the case, and um, and I just want to take it beyond what it is right now, but in in a a level where, uh, if a person who's not a believer and about God, in a sense, and they said, "You know, if if, if God is really omnipotent, that He could do all things at any time and at uh, snap of His finger. Then why did they let my baby die? Or why did they? How do you reconcile that? That we accept the fact that you know God is omnipotent, but to get that across, it's, it's a little more difficult. Yeah, for sure." They would think, well, you, if you're, if you, if God is omnipotent, and I would believe in God in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but, but why would they let my baby die? Or why did they let my husband die in this crash? Yeah. How do you, What's the approach there? That's that's what I'm trying to.
0: That say. that's a really good question. And um, when when we talk about situations like that, um, I think there are some characteristics or attributes of God that we can appeal to, like God is powerful. But also, um, is God good? Right. Um, we want to know that God not only can do whatever He wants, but He's also good and wise in what He does. And we know that. Yeah, we know we that on that a the theoretical people. level, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really hard. Um, I, I had I uh, was talking to a couple of people a couple of days ago about this and. Um, how do you account for the suffering in the world? And this isn't directly related to this, this lesson, but um, my reply was the Christian worldview gives us the freedom to say we don't know why suffering exists. We don't know why a baby dies um, for no reason. Um, I th- as far as I know, every other major world religion will try to give a response to why suffering exists. And it's always a philosophical answer. Um, Well, you know, God has his ways, which is true. God has a plan that we don't know, which is totally true. But um, that doesn't help the person who's suffering, right? Uh, For us as believers, we have the freedom to say, I really don't know why. But I do know that God is, he could have helped God. And I do know that God is good. But I also know that God entered the suffering with us. And he suffered and he experiences the same suffering that we do. And God is like, God cries in the Bible. And that's an insane, like, like, how do you reconcile a crying God with this this powerful God, this holy God um, that knows all things? How do do you do that? And um, really, for the Christian, the answer is Jesus because Jesus has suffered. Uh, Why is Jesus identified primarily as the man of sorrows? Right. Like sorrow and suffering, they that's what marks the identity of Jesus. Um, so I like I, I think uh, as I grow older, I'm more comfortable with saying that I don't know why God does what he does. Um, what I put my hope in is a fact that we have as long as we live, whether it be 10 years of suffering or 90 years of suffering, it's going to be a small wisp a, a, a vapor the Bible says um, and you know maybe for these for, at least in the story maybe for the story of humanity um, a couple a few thousand years of really hard existence and then a quadrillion years of glory and, and beauty and us saying okay back then in 2016 I wasn't able to understand why God did this um, but now I have a fuller picture um, so I, I I don't know, it's uh, this is one of the things that I think we're uncomfortable not having an answer to, but I think uh, it's okay for us to not have an answer to God, and not well, why suffering exists. I'm with you on that, it's just
1: that yeah. I just want to, I mean, there's some things you just said that helps me, you know, because I'm trying to find <clears throat> an answer for that when I meet up with people. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to be ready. Yeah. I, I don't want to
0: say I
1: haven't thought about that. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't thought about that before,
0: yeah. I think I, I I can glean some of the things you said and, and go back. Yeah, Tim Keller has a great book. Uh, Tim, there's always a Tim Keller reference every Sunday at this church, but um, <laughs> it's it's called Walking with God in Suffering. Have it, Have any of you guys read that book? It's a it's a pretty good book. Uh, I would recommend that as a resource. Um, okay, any other questions before we go on? I have kind of a follow-up question. Yeah. Could you say that suffering is caused by the fall? Suffering is um, caused by the fall. Um, it, I would say that the fall is the primary means in which this world entered into a state of brokenness, in which it is where suffering is prevalent. But
1: alternatively... But alternatively if you also me argument that says God could foresee the fall could foresee the fall he let the fall happen so you could you could you could develop the arc the Adam someone could just argue back and say God caused the fall
0: yeah you could so that's, I, I yeah um this is uh this is a much larger discussion and that, that's a good point um but that the quick answer is yes um God in his as an artist, he, as w- along with the primary colors and pastels, he also had the dark colors and the dark shadows. And it's all creating a picture that is one day going to be revealed as glorious. Um, it's a very trite answer, but it's true as well. Um, Thank you. Thanks. Today we have a little bit more time for questions, so feel free. Um, let me move on to what God cannot do. So, Titus, um, where did I end off? Can I have this group of guys wearing black jackets? Can I have you read? Black uh, <laughs> Yeah. Can I have you guys cover this? Um, take and you have. Can I have you read the first two?
1: God, who never lies. It is impossible for God to lie.
0: Okay, what can God not do? God cannot lie because God cannot go against what is contrary to his nature. Um, and let me talk a little bit more about that, but let me... Uh, Continue on first. Um, Shawin, can I have you read 2 Timothy? Sure. Uh, if we are faithless, he so remains faithful, but he cannot deny himself. All right, thanks. And um, David, can I have you read James? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, mm-hmm. for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. All right, thanks. So, this, people, people will say, well, can God do things that's. Um, can he lie? Because if God can do all things, then that means that somehow in his, he's able to reconcile these contradictions, right? Uh, These logical contradictions. And we say no, because God will never do anything that goes against his character and his will. So if God is a good God, God is a truthful God, then we'll say, no, God can't lie. Uh, We try to paint God in these negative terms, but we'll just say, God is not able to do certain things and he's not able to do evil. He's not able to tempts his people god isn't able to uh in second timothy this is really where it t- ties it t- together he's not able to deny himself so in the person of god there's not some type of confusion about who he is there's not um a back and forth there's not like devil and uh angel on god's shoulders saying like you should do this no you should do this um god is this isn't something that we covered in this lesson but there is something called the simplicity of god the simplicity of god and um it doesn't mean that god is easy to figure out but it does mean that god has complete integrity and that god is who he says he is so when we say that someone is simple we're saying he's not a complex person you can figure out um, if someone were to say the hour simple they would say uh wade doesn't have these i don't know christine might say this these emotional nuances to him. He doesn't have these complicated ways of viewing the world. It's just black is black, white is white. And um, it's so uh, there's a simplicity to me. Um, and not to be blasphemous, but there's also a simplicity to God, meaning that God is. What you see, what, what God says he is, that's what he is, and there's no shadow of doubt. In James uh, says, um, there's no shadow of turning in God, right? There's never a moment in which God wavers. There's never a moment in which God says, I'm going to do this. And he says, but let me just also do this on the side. Um, God is simple. You can always trust who he is because there is integrity to God's character. Uh, there's never any contradiction in who God is. So God can't do what's logically po- impossible. Um, can I have take? Can I hit you back again? First Corinthians. Well, god is not a god of confusion, but of peace. Yeah. So some people. This is a classic example that people, philosophers might say is: if God really exists, and if God really is strong, if God really is all powerful, then can He create something that's so heavy that He cannot lift it? Have you guys ever heard this? Yeah it's supposed to be some like philosophical conundrum and, um, it's not really a philosophical conundrum because it's just nonsense. Um, it, 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 it doesn't, it's logically impossible. Uh, and God has got, God will, God has an appointed means by which the world works. And he, he's given us logic and reason and God works within logic and reason. Um, if he were to work in, in supernatural ways and miracles, um, that's something different, but then in terms of creating a type of confusion, um, if it, if the people that witness it are just, just scratch their head and they go, um, "That doesn't benefit me at all that you did that," uh, then it's not probably not God, uh, because when God when God carries out miracles, it's always for His good glory and for the benefit of His people, right? So God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And Augustine he says this: the power of God is not diminished when it is said that He cannot die and cannot sin. So it's logically impossible that God can die and that God can sin. For if He could do these things, His power would be less. A being is rightly called omnipotent from doing what He wills and not from suffering what He does not will. So that's the, that last line kind of tie, it ties it together. Um, when you say that God is omnipotent, you're not – by saying that he cannot do certain things that, that don't make sense or that are contradictory to his nature, um, that's – you diminish the omnipotence of God. Does it make sense? So logical impossibility and also uh, contradictory to his nature, that's – these are things that God cannot do. Right. If you look at it from God's point of view, then you can you can see a different different view. Like, well, if I was God, I can do anything. Therefore, it makes sense. I have I have the choice to choose these things or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of perspective. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like helps you understand that. Right? Yeah. So. Thanks, Sean. Pull up on the human, or they or actually not even the human is more from their perspective. Yeah. They don't look at the human perspective. Yeah. Like what's better for the world is more like what's better for me. Right. That doesn't benefit me. So yeah. God, you should give me a parking spot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, thanks. Um, the power of God and the ability of man. So, we can speak about the power of God theoretically. Um, we can also talk about it uh, very personally and individually and in the muck of our lives. Let me start off with Matthew 8. The men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even wins and sea obey him? This is in the context of Jesus on the lake and there's a huge storm and these experienced fishermen who are used to storms are saying, this is the worst we've ever seen. We are scared out of our mind. And Jesus is, what's, what's Jesus doing? He's below deck sleeping, right? Um, it doesn't phase Jesus at all that there's this huge storm and the ship is being ripped apart. He, he, the, the men call out to Jesus and they say, they tell him what's going on. And Jesus says to the winds and the waves, be still and he calms everything. And Jesus, in his, uh, while he was on the earth, he was able to stop these forces of nature. And I think this is what really matters to us, is how is the power of God, how does that speak to my suffering? How does it speak to the pain that I'm in or the pain that my friends or family are in? Because this is re- what it really comes down to. Um, the power of God on a theoretical level is, you know, like, I don't study nuclear fission, and I don't really care about nuclear fission because it doesn't affect me on a day-to-day level. Um, if if I'm fighting with my wife, that's not going to benefit me if I know a lot about nuclear fission. But if I know that God loves me and cares for my marriage, um, then I can say, okay, yeah, God... God is able to do something good. So uh, I want this time to be a time where we can just really think about, yeah, God in my life. And man, God is so good and I can trust him. So let me, um, can I ask, uh, I'm going to go around this table. John, can I have you read First Second Corinthians 12? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect and can Therefore, I will boast all all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me.
1: For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when
0: I am weak, then I am strong. All right. What Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians was completely nonsensical to the culture that he was writing to because in the Greco-Roman... uh, during during this time in the, in the culture it was you should have your ambition should have been for power and influence and people look down on women and children because they represented weakness and for for to have a messiah this Jewish messiah that should have came in and conquered everything and should have been powerful for him to die the death of a criminal just it was not something that people could put their their minds around that this that this person who claimed to be God entered into this state of weakness, of suffering and death, and his followers, he calls his his followers to be humble, and in Second Corinthians to embrace weakness, totally countercultural. And I think for us it's not that different because we're we all try to exert some type of power, right? We either um, with our with our academics, academic. Um, uh, achievements or our professional uh, resume or with with our charm or with our beauty. We're always trying to influence people. We're always trying to get something with what we have, right? But Paul says the way of the Christian life is weakness. You should be able to say that I don't have things under control. We should be able to say I don't have the answers because it's in that state of weakness that we can say, this sets the stage for the power of God to be made evident. And um, I, I'm going to make a confession right now. I, uh, I was talking to uh, uh, the staff members. We had a staff meeting, uh, Michael, Tiffany, and Becky, and I. And I told them that uh, it's, it's become really evident to me that I have been relying on my own strength when I do ministry. And um, that is evil for me to, to depend on myself. When we do stuff in church and when we say, I can rely on myself i'm not going to pray as much as i should i'm not going to rely on the holy spirit and that's a confession that i need to make is i don't I, I rely on myself uh this is not how it should be i should be able to enter when i sit down at my study and i say like i should be able to say the commentaries on my right and my laptop on my left like i it's it's nothing if the power of god is not there and it breaks my heart if i if IGC were to become a place where it's not really evident that the Holy Spirit is active here, you know? Like, like I'm just a man, Michael's just a man, like, we should be able to say that we're weak, you know? I, I want us to be able to say that. Um, Philippians 4, Andrew, can I have you read that? I can do all this. Alright, and um, whatever it is that we want to do, Paul is talking in the context of him um, suffering and being persecuted, and he says, But I have Christ. Again, I'm in the state of weakness, and this is where the power of God is going to be most evident. Uh, Rachel, can I have you read Ephesians 3? There is a heaven able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. all right. Let's go back again to IGC. How how much do we ask God for? Um, a lot of times I'm content just having a decent sermon and service and the music being okay and me saying hi to some newcomers. And I'm like, that's a good Sunday. And maybe it is, but is that all we expect at church on Sundays? Or is that all we expect in our lives is for us to... Maintain status quo and for things to go smoothly, um, God is—he's inviting us right here to say, "Why don't you ask for something that's going to blow your mind?" And the sin of me uh, uh, that that I have is just asking God within the confines of what I understand. I say, "Oh God, like this is—I want you to keep things going the way they are because I don't want things shaken up. I don't want to have to deal with the fallout of you." bringing messy people into the church or you ruining someone someone's life or my own life um for the sake of your glory um there's what i don't want us to be complacent you know uh man like if 20 years from now if igc is still where it is if we still have the same people if we're still if we haven't if we haven't uh gone through some hard times, then it means that the church has not grown, and it means that the power of God maybe isn't where it should be. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Alright, thank you. Thanks. The greatest enemy of man is death, right? And the Spirit conquered death in Jesus, and this Paul is saying in Romans eight. The Spirit is in us as well. The power of God that raises people from the dead is in us. Uh, this is we don't we don't live like that often. I don't live like that often. Um, but can you imagine the power of God is in us? Like if if you really knew, like if you had the power of uh, like a nuclear generator living in you. If you knew that you could not die until God said your work here on earth is done, if you knew that the holy Spirit- like the times when like like i'm I'm like naturally very shy and I, I force myself to talk to people um but uh if you knew that what, when God put someone in front of you and he you you felt called to minister to that person um in yourself you should feel inadequate but then If the Holy Spirit is in us, then we can go forward with confidence. And it means that we can live a life that doesn't have... We don't have to be afraid of a lot of things that we're afraid of. Um, The opinions of people, our our reputation being lost, um, our finances falling apart. So be it. Um, We have the power of God. Um, I repeated Ephesians 3 here. Let me close with um, this from Ephesians 1. And this is a prayer... That Paul had for the church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope which is called, which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and, ex- and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under the feet of Jesus and appointed Him to be the head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. And this is the prayer that we should have for the church as well, that our people would know the power of God, that our people would not come for a good message, that they would not come for good music, not even for the fellowship. But when people come into IGC, they should feel something that they do not feel elsewhere. Right, And um, this is why we study God. This is why we have next week and the week after we're going to have a prayer meeting. And I'm going to change it up a little bit when I lead it. It's going to be a little bit different. But man, we have a strong God. Uh, He can do so much more than we can imagine. And uh, yeah, whatever we can think of, he can do so much more than that. So let's go forward with that. And um, I hope that... I hope that we we spend the next 20 years together and we experience the power of god let me pray god um you're powerful don't let us forget that you're more powerful than our doubts you are more powerful than the hard hearts of the people that we encounter and we pray that in service we would experience your power i pray that there would be no doubt that you are active god for your sake for the glory of of your name, for the good of your people. I pray that you would do this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, God. Guys, we have a, a prayer meeting next week and the week after, and then a parenting seminar here the week after that.
1: Um.